Welcome to 15 Minute Freelancer, your snack-sized guide to being your own boss and building a business and life you love. I'm your host, Louise Shanahan. My LinkedIn bio says I'm a freelance health copywriter, but for the next 15 minutes, I'll be tickling your ears with practical strategies, behind-the-scenes stories and nuggets of wisdom so you can create a freelance business that works for you. Whether you're just starting out or you've been self-employed for a while, I'll be right here with you to help you navigate the ups and downs of freelancing life. So grab a coffee, relax and join me for 15 minutes of freelancing fun. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Hello and here we are for another episode of 15 Minute Freelancer. Last week I took part in a panel on negotiating your freelance rates and in-house salaries for Content UK so I thought I would dig a bit deeper into that juicy little topic for today's episode. In case you don't already know, Content UK is a community for UK content marketers, which is a great place to find resources, opportunities and conversations about all things content. So go and check that out if you're in the world of content marketing. So the theme for that Q&A was negotiating your in-house and freelance content marketing rates. And as I say, I thought I would revisit some of what I said there for freelancing more generally while it's still fresh in my mind. Because these are questions that come up again and again and again, aren't they? And I don't know, maybe you're asking some of these questions yourself. So some of these will touch on topics that I've covered on this podcast before. But let's be honest, when it comes to pricing, we can never talk about this enough, can we? (laughs) So let's dive in. The first question that came up was, what do you wish you'd known about setting your freelance rate when you first started out? And to that, I basically said, you can charge more. (laughs) I think that's probably true of most freelancers, isn't it? It's really tough to know what to charge at first because unless you're transitioning from an agency or an in-house career where you dealt with freelancers a lot and you know what you were paying them, you probably don't know what the going rates are. And I think when we're just starting out, we worry that we're asking too much, we're afraid of rejection, we probably feel like we need to just get some work under our belt, so we tend to overcorrect and undercharge. <laughs> Obviously, when you're just starting out, you won't be charging the same as someone who's more experienced than you. But in general, I think, yeah, most people undercharge to begin with. Some industries do have day rate and project rate surveys that you can look at to get an idea of what other people are charging. So as a copywriter, for example, There's the Pro Copywriter Network survey, and I think there are some US surveys that are equivalent. And these can be really good to give you a rough idea of what to start with. However, I will say that once you're a bit more established, these surveys are not always that helpful because everyone's rates vary a lot depending on the industry that they work with, their level of expertise, their process and how in demand they are. So you kind of need to take that with a pinch of salt, but it can be really useful when you're just starting out. The next question, do you prefer to charge by the project or by time? And I think both work. I personally prefer to charge by the project most of the time because it focuses on the overall value of the work rather than on how long I spent doing it. (laughs) It also means that both you and the client know what to expect because, you know, with time-based pricing, if you work really efficiently, you end up losing out because you have to charge less. But if you are really slow and inefficient, then the client loses out because they have to pay you more even though you are really doing your best work. It doesn't make sense. So I like to be able to do the best work possible without having an eye on the clock all the time. That said, 
If I'm working on a project where I think there might be a lot of collaboration needed, or there's likely to be a lot of back and forth with different team members, then I sometimes do use a day rate, so I'm not worried if we need to change the plan a little bit. Sometimes you need that extra flexibility, don't you? Um, you know, sometimes I want to give the client and myself the space to explore different avenues that might come up in research, rather than thinking, oh, my project fee only accounted for X number of days, so I'll not bother investigating this any further. In this case, I usually give the client an estimate of the number of days that it's likely to take and then I'll let them know when we're getting close to that point. Now the next obvious question is, how do you actually figure out the price though? <laughs> well, isn't that the bigger question? <laughs> I've done a couple of episodes on this where I've kind of talked through what my process is and I, you know, I'm still feeling my way. I don't know. There are many, many ways to figure out how much to charge for particular projects. One way to think about it is to think about what your work is worth to your clients. That means understanding what problem you solve for your client, how do you do that better than anyone else, what makes you different, and then thinking about what price the market can bear for that service. Then you might consider how much you want to make each year or each quarter, how many days a week you want to work, and then you divide how much you want to make each year by the number of days you want to work and that will give you a benchmark daily rate. Then you can use that to figure out how many days are needed for the types of projects that you want to do and use that to create a rate per project. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> you can look at the transcript if not. <laughs> and don't forget that when you're setting your rate, you also need to factor in the time that you spend on non-client work too, like all your admin work and your marketing and your finance tasks and any expenses like your laptop and your Zoom subscription. Remember to set aside some money to pay your taxes and put something aside for your pension as well. These are all very important and don't necessarily spring to mind when you're setting a daily rate or a project rate for your work. The next question was any tips on when to increase your rate and how to go about this? This is a very good question and I have actually done an episode on raising your rates before so please do go back and check that out. I think people have different approaches to this. Some people do it every year or every six months and maybe just email all their clients at once to say hey I'm raising my rates in a couple of months time. Book in now at the current rate which is a good way to get a little bit more work. The other approach which is what I tend to do is to raise your rates with each new project so there's not really any conversation needed. Those are just your new rates. And I like that because it's less awkward. <laughs> and this isn't controversial. I'm saying it's less awkward. It shouldn't be awkward. It's not controversial to raise your rates. Most people get salary increases every year and we have to think about inflation. And of course, as you gain more experience, you're delivering work at a higher level. And that is crucial. You should be continuing to do deliver work at a high level. And your clients will be doing the same with their customers too. It's really just part of running a business. But as I say, it does feel a bit awkward. So if you need permission, please consider this your permission. <laughs> Other ways to kind of pay yourself more that don't actually involve increasing your rate are to improve your processes so that you can spend less time on each project. So your hourly rate would work out higher. Or you might reduce the scope of your services or agree a longer turnaround time so you're actually getting paid more for the work that you're doing. You might also offer more strategic services or consultancy where you can charge a higher rate for the work that you're doing. How do you approach scope creep? Do you charge more? Oh, this one is so hard. I personally find it so difficult to stick to the initial agreement because 
Sometimes it just makes perfect sense to me that projects change a bit as you get into them. I guess the key is for us to remember that it's not just on us to try to make up the time or somehow just manage all the extra work that needs to be done. It's a conversation that needs to be had with the client. And hopefully, if you have a really clear contract that sets out what's to be done, by when, how much that will cost, then you can simply refer back to that at any time a client needs something extra. Sometimes though, there might be small changes or a slight delay or someone got sick or, you know, whatever, and you might be happy to absorb that. I like to make sure that I've charged enough so that I'm relaxed about these little extras and these little flexibilities, let's call them. If you already feel resentful because you haven't charged enough in the first place, then you're more likely to feel like you're being taken for granted. And I think it's important to try and anticipate what the client might need as early as possible so that you can factor that into your proposal and contract and then you don't need to worry about scope creep later on. (laughs) You can also add in clauses to your contract to help avoid scope creep. So you may have heard of a thing called a pause clause and the way that this works is if a client is taking ages to provide feedback, for example, then you can say that's absolutely fine. But there will be a small fee to restart things because I'll need to rejig my calendar. That might have a knock-on effect on other projects. And I'll need to spend a little bit of time re-familiarizing myself with the project. So if you have a pause clause in your contract, you can charge a little bit extra just to cover that. And yet, as always, clear communication is really important. Just have the conversation with your client. Most of them aren't trying to get one over on you. I honestly believe this is true. They may just work in a different way. They don't realize what life is like as a freelancer when you're juggling lots of different projects or you just have different expectations. So just have the conversation and figure out a plan together. Next question is, have you experienced imposter syndrome when it comes to setting your rate? I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) I think everybody probably feels a little bit uncomfortable talking about money at some point. The main thing, as I've said before, is that your client's budget isn't about you. It's not that you're too expensive. It's not that they're being stingy. I mean, it might be. (laughs) But in general, I think it's helpful just to take the emotion out of it if you can. I think it's really hard because freelance pricing is such a closed book. Our processes are so different and, you know, a client might speak to three different freelancers and get three completely different quotes. So it's very hard to compare when we're all doing different things. I think you just have to figure out an amount that covers your bills and your financial goals, makes you feel excited to do the work, maybe a little bit of a scary amount to say out loud. Uh, If you have clients who are happy to pay that, then you can start increasing it gradually. So it's kind of just about being confident, having a proven process and leading the conversation. You know, you're hired as a collaborator, not an order taker. And I think when you can get into that mindset, then the imposter syndrome will gradually be squashed back into its box. (laughs) Somebody else asked, how do I show value when I'm often getting told that I'm too expensive? This is a good question. It's about finding your Goldilocks number, isn't it? If everybody says yes, then your rates are probably too low. But if everybody's saying no, then maybe you're getting a bit carried away. I'm sure I've heard people say that the sweet spot is getting rejected about 20% of the time. (laughs) So yeah, if it's a lot higher than that, then maybe it's a sign that you need to rethink your fees or try to find a market that's a better fit if that's what you want to get paid. You know, if you're trying to sell a £10,000 project to a client that's still using the free version of Zoom, then no matter how well you negotiate, it's just not going to work out. Is that You've got to be realistic. 
ways to show value, whether you're speaking to a new client or you are uh, raising rates with existing clients, would be to have a proven process that you can talk through where you explain exactly what you will do and how that will get results for your client. Uh, having testimonials from previous clients who can attest to how amazing you are to work with and having stats that can show the impact that your work has had in the wild, if that's appropriate. It can also be really helpful to get positive feedback throughout each project as well as at the end. So you've got that smile file to refer back to as well. And that might be something that you just look at yourself to give yourself a little confidence boost before you go into these conversations. Or you can pull out some of those quotes to share with the client. The final question was what are some tips for feeling okay with turning down work that doesn't align with your rates or goals as a freelancer? I'm pretty firm about it, but a little voice always says, what if you never sign up another client again? Oh, this is the perennial freelancer dilemma, isn't it? What if I never get another client? But that doesn't mean you should say yes to everything. It probably means you should do a bit more marketing to find more of your favorite clients. So I try to remind myself that when I say yes to something, that means I'm saying no to something else. So if I say yes to this project, what am I saying no to? What will I not have time to do? Having some values or criteria can also help guide your decisions. If you've really thought about what kind of clients you want to work with for a thriving business, then it's easier to say no to anything that doesn't fit, unless you want to, of course. If it doesn't fit, then you can refer it on to someone else and it might be a good fit for them. If you say yes to everything, though, you'll have no time for the projects that you really want. So I think we'll wrap up there. I hope that's been useful. As always, let me know if you have any more freelance pricing questions that I can offer an opinion on. I'm always happy to offer opinions. I'm definitely not an expert, but I do love talking about this and helping people figure it out. So you can find me on Twitter at Louise Shanahan underscore or on LinkedIn, Louise Shanahan. (laughs) Okie doke, until next time, happy freelancing. You've been listening to 15 Minute Freelancer with me, Louise Shanahan, freelance health copywriter and content marketer at thecopyprescription.com. If you enjoyed this, please hit subscribe, leave a review or share it with a freelance friend. And if you've got a freelancing question you want answered on the podcast, find me and say hi on Twitter, LinkedIn or Instagram. Thanks and until next time, happy freelancing!